Shachtan, an Indo Askelige. Time in Mon Iruk the Yen of Chacht Erachor, Agasuligum, a Machan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestian Echo. Vien Talam again Omgrev, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. This is an Irish independent podcast. We have such an epidemic of loneliness in Ireland and in the world generally. The fact that we're using our AI tech to just answer simple questions, I'm not surprised that we've gone into the love domain. I don't think humans are designed to necessarily be in relationships where everything is agreeable all the time. Every one of us wants to feel important and valuable and valued in somebody's life. So therefore, you can see how it kind of moves on to something like AI. But even though it might give us a bit of short-term relief in terms of immediate responses and somebody who's asking you how your day was, I just feel that it, you're going to fall short in some way. Hello and you're welcome to The Big Tech Show with me, Adrian Weckler, in association with Square. Square can help with your business needs from payments and online ordering to menu management. Visit square.com for more. Now, is love possible with an AI creation? Could you date one, for example? And is there anything wrong with the idea of dating one? And what might it say about how we live our lives, that these are actually becoming more popular now. Well, to talk generally about this, I'm joined by Dr. Mally Coyne, who's a clinical psychologist and author of Love In, Love Out. Dr. Coyne, you're very welcome to the podcast today. How are you, Adrian? I'm okay because I spent much of the last hour on an AI dating, friendship app, I'm not sure it's a dating app, called Replica. And I created, I just, quickly created the the default character and she said her name was Maria and I could kind of see how it was fairly engaging because it was instant responses to anything I would say and it would ask me questions and it would respond pleasantly to things but it just wasn't very very intelligent and it tried to sort of spice things up by sending me blurred selfie images partially clad uh, uh, selfie images digitized of quote unquote her self. And I was just left thinking to myself, do people actually really go for this? But actually they do. They do. Replica in itself is a very popular app. The creator of Replica has now created another one called Blush, which is a not safe for work version. So that's where the replica, the, the, the avatar, the AI uh, language model will actually talk smutterly <laughs> to you and like forward and exchange uh, stuff with you um, 
uh, on that basis. I needless to say, I haven't tried that one. Um, but these are quite popular. And I suppose, first of all, I just wanted to get your reaction. Is this is this kind of weird? Do you think, does this qualify as weird? Um, I don't think it's weird. I mean, I think we're all like, we're social beings, we're mammals, we're looking for interaction. Mm. You said yourself there that it was a nice thing to have immediate responses to mm. what you were saying. You get this kind of false sense in your brain of this person is listening to me, they're interested in me, they're answering me, you know, it's a real validation for us as human beings when that happens. So we have such uh, an epidemic of loneliness in Ireland and in the world generally. And mm. the fact that we're using our AI um, tech to just answer simple questions, I'm not surprised that we've gone into the love domain, particularly for, for people who who feel lonely, which spans across all the ages. Yeah, I, it struck me that the idea of having a relationship, quote unquote, and I'm not even sure if I should be saying quote unquote, because here's the thing. People feel that they have relationships with an awful lot of things that aren't human or aren't even sentient. People will tell you that they have relationships with their cars, with their fashion brand, um, with uh, all sorts of things uh, that aren't living or breathing or can't really give back, but they feel that they do have a bond with those things. And you see it sometimes, I suppose, as well with um, celebrities as well, don't you? I mean, if you ask a Taylor Swift fan, a particularly ardent Taylor Swift fan, does he or she have a relationship in their head with Taylor Swift? Do they know Taylor Swift? Do, do they feel that they have a bond there? Many will say, Yes, they do. They would be absolutely devastated if something happened to Taylor Swift. They would, if Taylor Swift responded to them or acknowledged them, it would make their day. So I, it, it does kind of beg the question where the boundaries of relationships begin and end and what is, what is correct in identifying what a relationship is. Are you one of those people that didn't get a Taylor Swift concert ticket? I'm just wondering. <laughs> I did not try I am. for. Okay. <laughs> My uh, kids are. Okay. So you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I mean, I think people can start when when you feel lonely, you're more likely this this happens more likely when you're feeling lonely or mm. when there's something lacking in your life where you might kind of start to project what's going on for yourself onto an object or onto a person that you don't know mm. because it gives you this sense of comfort and you it's like you want to feel important Do you know every one of us wants to feel important and valuable and valued in somebody's life and i suppose so therefore you can see how this how it kind of moves on to something like ai but you know, at the end of the day, I feel like even though it might give us a bit of short term relief in terms of immediate responses and somebody who's, you know, asking you how your day was and and, and responding to you and all of that, I just feel that it, you're going to fall short in some way because mm. relationships usually develop further than that you know like you mm. you like to think of somebody else thinking of you you know um that that the, the companionship you know you have interactions that grow into something that might have a hug involved physical touch um that 
the person is really, you know, it's not just this robot like and I know they're they're getting more and more sophisticated as mm. time goes on, you know, they're they're constantly trying to get the information from us and learn from us, but mm. I just feel like you're going to be shortchanged and my concern, I suppose, I, I, is that, you know, someone who is really lonely will start to get this false sense of hope and then they're going to, because it doesn't develop into something more, that they might feel even more lonely uh, following that interaction. That that would be my concern. I mean, there's quite an awful lot in that. I mean, first of all, the spectrum of what we want from a relationship, maybe it's changed in the last 100 years. If you talk to somebody, for example, uh, who has been widowed and they might tell you that the TV is a great comfort to them in the evening and that there are other things like that, maybe the radio, um, maybe they find Facebook, for example, is now uh, a comfort to them. These are things that didn't really exist, say, 60, 70, 80 years ago. And I wonder, is the spectrum of human need when it comes to the relationship, um, is that has that evolved a little bit? Are, are there substitutes there that are good enough for 60, 70, 80 percent of what many people, not all people, but many people need um, in, in, an, in a normal day? And maybe that's what this AI and these AI friends and these AI um, dates, quote unquote, uh, what they you know, go some way to to achieving. Yeah, I mean, there they are really fair points there, and you know, the idea of somebody wanting to hear voices in the background, and I know a lot mm. of older people are big into Facebook, and um, you know, I have seen some AI bots that have real kind of uh, great uses in terms of. Uh, reminding an older person about have they taken their medication? Are they able to go for a walk today? Mm. Even ones that are like memory lane, which are looking at, um, oh, you've traveled a lot in your life. Can you tell me the similarity between two countries that you visited? I know that my dad would love that one, you mm. know? So I think there's a, there can be a real benefit in terms of you know, there's somebody, there's something there that's kind of checking in on you. There's a voice there. Um, I think it could be a really useful, um, a, you know, addition. Again, mm. I don't see it as uh, a substitute for the real kind of companionship that that we need as human beings. It'll never nag you or give out to you or, you know, contradict you or mansplain to you. No, that's true. Absolutely. Uh, but but then do we really want somebody to never <laughs> nag us? You know, sorry to be okay. asking you that, Adrian. We'll go into well, your own situation. No, no. Uh, well, let's 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 substitute the word nag from mansplain. OK, then okay. and ask that question again. Do we ever do we ever want a situation where nobody mansplains to us? But the mansplaining and the kind of somebody that you're in a relationship with that might uh, kind of suggest something is also putting a mirror up to you and you mightn't like it at the time. But at the end of the day, we're all here to learn. Oh, you're gaslighting me now. You're saying that if, if, if I'm mansplained or if I'm nagged, it's my fault. No, I'm not saying that. But I'm just saying that when somebody truly cares about us, they do 
point out, and this is a really good point, actually, that you're bringing up, but they do point out, you know, bits that, you know, like my husband does this with me, I'll just be honest, like, Ma- Mally, you were a bit like over the top there, or, you know, my kids tell me I'm I'm too stressed out or whatever. It's kind of like somebody that cares enough about you to be mm. able to kind of, okay, there's nice and not nice ways of, you know, putting that across, obviously. But I, I don't think humans are designed to necessarily be in relationships where everything is agreeable all the time. I mean, does mm. that feel real? Not really. And and Certainly then you don't have the emotions of the rupture and the repair that happens in a relationship, which is a really important part of relationships. Like I usually say when I talk about attachment bonds, I look at a third of the time it's about tuning into somebody else and, and you're mostly understanding each other's points of view and getting along. A third of the time is rupture, which is mansplaining or whatever way mm-hmm. nagging you want to call it, which is things aren't quite working out in that relationship. And then a third of the time is repair, which is a beautiful kind of interaction. It almost like a dance between people in whatever relationship you are, parent, child, partners, whatever it is, where you're kind of coming to a mutual understanding again and it makes you feel really good and and unleashes these beautiful hormones inside your brain that expect repair in the future. And with an AI, you're not going to go through that process with them. Mm. If AI systems and friend bots and chat bots and dating bots continue to be popular, other than the real issue of slowing population growth, And I'm talking now here about people who do not engage as much in human relations as they might have been pushed into doing 30 or 40 years ago. Like there have been surveys and figures and statistics, and I'm sure you've seen them as well, that suggest that people under the age of 30 are having less sex, for example, than they ever have had, um, certainly in the last 40 or 50 years. And other than population issues, I'm wondering, are there any long-term things we should consider or worry about, even gently, about the idea of people engaging more solo with, uh, romantically, with AI rather than with other human beings? It's hard to tell right now, you know, what things are going to look like. You know, I I do think we have this real problem. Like we used to talk about loneliness as an older Mm. person issue mostly, but really we're finding that younger people who are working from home, who may not have, you know, social outlets. For a lot of younger people, it was very difficult for them to come out of the lockdowns and to suddenly be all sociable again. Mm. Similarly for older people who had lost not just kind of social relationships, but also cognitive physical functioning from not getting out there, which is what they were told to do, you know? Mm. So like long-term impact, I don't know if you were to like, you know, obviously population growth, as you said, but I just wonder, are we going to become a nation that's more depressed, that's more anxious, um, that's more lacking in terms of uh, kind of collaboration, you know, like in order for humans, you know, we're so- we're social beings. So in order for us to work together and to create things like you're, I'm just even wondering from a creative point of view and from a kind of a, um, collaboration in work, creativity generally, um, I don't know. For me, I think it would make for a, a sadder population and one where, 
people would be coming to me, you know, kind of for these types of issues. Um, and I'm not totally against it either. I think, you know, whatever floats your boat and helps you. And, and another thing just to mention that micro interactions are extremely important. So it's not just about having a family member or friend call around to you or doing something with them, but it's the little interactions we have at a bus stop or in a supermarket where we just, you know, have small little exchanges. And mm-hmm. I would just be afraid that people would lose the ability to socialize in a way that's kind of collaborative, you know, the kind of serve and return of a social interaction. I say this, you say that back, you know, the things like, um, yes, I'll have a cup of tea. Oh, great. You know, and, and, and even just empathy, generally speaking, I think if you just have an AI that's just going to say yes to you all the time, how are you going to learn you know, that other people can can be upset by your actions and just about the human condition generally. Like it's make it's blowing my mind even this question. It it I'll probably have a better answer for you again, <laughs> but that's I find that it's a bit scary to be honest. Well Dr. Mally Coyne, clinical psychologist and author of Love In, Love Out, thank you very much for joining us today to talk to us uh, about this issue. And thanks also to Tabitha Monaghan, who produced to Gav Hennessy on sound and Conan Doherty on video. And from me, Adrian Weckler, you've been uh, listening to The Big Tech Show in association with Square. And I'll talk to you the same time next week. Bye bye. Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. 